Six Figure Developer Podcast, a podcast where we talk about new and exciting technologies, professional development, clean code, career advancement, and more. I'm John Calloway. I'm Clayton Hunt. And I'm John Ash. With us today are Maxim Fatih and Dominic Torno. Maxim has worked at companies such as Microsoft, Google, and Amazon, and is currently CEO and co-founder of Temporal. Dominic is a principal engineer at Temporal. He focuses on systems modeling, specifically conceptual and formal modeling, to support the design and documentation of complex software systems. Welcome. Thanks for having us. Yeah, so before we jump into the meat of things, would you both give us a little bit more introduction to yourselves? Um, you know, Maxim, we, we've had you on before, uh, but uh, just give us a little bit of uh, our listeners who maybe haven't heard that episode. So I've been around for a while, and I came to the U.S. in uh, 98, um, and uh, later I joined, uh, like I worked for a startup, and then I joined Amazon in 2002. Uh, Worked there for total, I've been there twice, for eight and a half years, Uh, worked on a lot of uh, backend systems, uh, mostly publish, subscribe infrastructure of Amazon, and then later workflow type systems. I was tech lead for the Amazon Simple Workflow Service which actually gave, uh, contains a lot of ideas, which now Temporal uh, moves forward for the whole industry as an open source project. Uh, and then uh, I, I ended up at Uber in uh, 2015, and uh, we built uh, Temporal as an open source project while staying at Uber. Uh, and uh, we, then, uh, then, then, then uh, it became uh, pop, uh, popular, and we decided to start a company. I'm first-time manager, first-time CEO. I, ne- I was engineer all my life. I was an individual contributor, um, so grew up to senior staff engineer, I think, at Uber. But uh, at the end, uh, it's my first time trying to build something besides just software. That's awesome. And Dominic, would you give us a little bit of, of a background of how you got started in the industry? Sure. So I went to a university in Germany to the Hasso Plattner Institute. The Hasso Plattner Institute was uh, founded by the founder of uh, SAP. And uh, then I want to say almost naturally, I uh, joined SAP first for uh, one year SAP Germany. And then I got the offer to uh, come to the United States, uh, relocate to um, SAP in the United States. California specifically. So then, of course, for a young engineer getting an offer to uh, join SAP in California. So I jumped on that. I stayed with uh, SAP for um, 10 years. And uh, then after uh, 10 years, I joined um, Cisco. Uh, However, I have to say, uh, before I joined Cisco, I knew nothing about networking. And after I left Cisco, I also knew nothing about networking. But good for me, I was in the cloud native space, not in the (laughs) networking space. And uh, after Cisco, I joined Temporal. So, Maxim, last time we spoke with you, you were at Uber working on Cadence, if I'm remembering correctly. How did you start working on Temporal and and how has that journey evolved into your founding of a company, becoming a CEO, becoming a a first-time manager and and building something other than software? 
So it's actually happened uh, unexpectedly. We uh, we were building an open source project, Cadence, uh, uh, and uh, that pro- uh, that project uh, got a lot of adoption inside of Uber. And uh, then uh, we, as it was open source from the beginning, we built it in the open, uh, like well, since the beginning. For the first two years, we didn't get much traction. Uh, it was just a project which was used internally at Uber and started to get pick up adoption. But uh, in uh, it's totally like it was crickets. <laughs> and then at some point, uh, we started to be, get uh, interest from uh, pretty serious companies like HashiCorp, Airbnb, and uh, like uh, Box, uh, I think DoorDash, like a, a bunch of companies, which, uh, Coinbase, uh, which were um, actually started to contact us and we've got a, and started to use it actually in real production use cases. And uh, at some point, we ended up on the top line uh, of uh, Hacker News. Uh, and the people ask questions, and we had a pretty interesting conversation there. And that day, that week, I started to get a lot of inbound VC interest. So, uh, and uh, we ended up uh, this. Uh, we, we didn't even plan to do. I, I wasn't. I never monitored the startup ecosystem. I didn't know about uh, like uh, top VC firms. I didn't know anything about that. Um, but uh, when we started to talk to them, we kind of realized that if you want to make uh, the ideas of, uh, like we had in Cadence, uh, an industry kind of wild phenomena, and and we believe that uh, every developer should have uh, this system in, in his toolbox, uh, that uh, having a company is, is required. Because Uber was super supportive. It was very, uh, we had team, we had uh, all the support, but still, we had to focus on problems of Uber, right? It's it's not free, right? So they they had to focus on the uh, on the business, and uh, they just would never invest into like, for example, having a hosted offering uh, or having uh, like SDKs which uh, for languages which Uber doesn't doesn't care about, and uh, that uh, and also the amount of resources they would invest in that would be limited. And uh, we realized that if you have a company, we can go much faster and much further, and that then we just uh, decided to start our own company. Uh, for all sort of practical, legal, and other reasons, uh, we couldn't work on the same kind of code base, and we forked it. So Temporal is a fork of Cadence. It's ad- under the same MIT license, so it is uh, fully available and free to use. And uh, we and since then, our company spent we spent almost one year working on the fork before we say it's production worthy, because we put a lot of imp- uh, it was our chance to kind of. Uh, you know, like we ran it for over three years in production without doing a single backwards incompatible change. And uh, when you say, oh, now you have a chance kind of to break compatibility because we had to do it for like, because we had to migrate to proto- uh, gRPC from custom protocol, uh, we kind of realized, okay, we are breaking compatibility anyway. Why we wouldn't fix all the other issues which we accumulated because we couldn't fix them in a backwards compatible manner. So we put a lot of effort fixing things and making it better and then we re- released it. Uh, and uh, since then, a lot of companies use it in production. And then we started to work on our um, kind of monetization part of that. We only monetize through our cloud offering, which is kind of SaaS service, which uh, hosts the temporal server inside, like we host it for other companies. And now this is our kind of, we, are, we have kind of three areas of investment. One is developer experience, SDKs in all languages, then open source server, and then uh, the actual business, which is our cloud. And this is where, uh, and we are kind of this year, we are planning to have, uh, trying to get to GA of our cloud and get more. We have already a lot of uh, what we call design partners, which are paying customers, but they still kind of have more tight relationship within them. And we still don't let everyone to join our cloud offering. So that's why we 
uh, uh, we, we want GA because we want everyone to be able to use it without uh, kind of uh, any blo- uh, us saying, no, no, sorry, we are not ready yet. All right. So for, for anyone who hasn't, um, hasn't listened to our, our podcast about Cadence, since that's kind of where Temporal came from, uh, what exactly is Temporal? What, what's, the, what's the purpose? What's the use case? So Temporal is a platform to build um, distributed applications. But uh, Temporal does not only focus on uh, the correctness, the reliability, and the scalability of applications. Temporal also focuses on the uh, developer experience. And there, the best analogy are um, database transactions. So for the past 40, 45 years, database developers have enjoyed a great developer experience. Database developers can uh, develop their applications as if failure or concurrency doesn't even exist. And uh, that is because the database community developed a core abstraction, the core abstraction of database transactions. Database transactions mitigate all adverse effects, failure, concurrent access onto data objects on a platform level making it completely invisible on an application level. And Temporal does uh, something similar, but for distributed systems. So Temporal's core abstraction is a workflow. And uh, a workflow mitigates all adverse effects, like, for example, failure or, like for example, time limits on a platform level, making it uh, completely transparent on an application level. And you can think of a a workflow or specifically a workflow execution as a function execution, but with additional execution guarantees. We guarantee you that your function execution is durable, reliable, and scalable. So basically we guarantee you that your function execution, once invoked, will execute to completion. And with that guarantee, many problems in the distributed system space become trivial. And that is a basis for Temporal's great developer experience. And this function, you can write this function, that is the developer experience that we give you, you can write this function as you would write any other function. The, but by running it on the Temporal platform, you will get these guarantees. So just to make it a little bit more concrete, imagine you need to do, for example, money transfer. And uh, these days you need to call multiple services. Let's say you call one service to do withdrawal and then you call another service or maybe even different bank to do deposit. And uh, these are just two operations which are pretty easy to code. But then how do you ensure that they complete no matter what? Like any infrastructure failure, if a process crashes and so on. And uh, Temporal will ensure that uh, you just write code which contains these two functions, calls to those functions, and then it will ensure that this code will execute, even if the any call of any of these functions takes, for example, two hours, right? Like you call a function, something is down, it will kind of keep retrying the call, but from invoker point of view, it's still blocking that line of code. And you can block on something for hours, even if you have deployments, your process crashes, like infrastructure outage happens, at the end, we will recover that in exactly the same state practically all local variables, all threads, all blocking calls, and continue execution. And uh, then uh, it becomes very powerful. 
And uh, if you need to do that without temporal, like these two lines of code will end up with hundreds and thousands of lines of code in complex business logic, databases, queues, uh, callbacks, and so on and so on. And uh, other example would be if you want to say, oh, I want to do something once a month, once a month, you will just say while loop, sleep 30 days, do something. And uh, that is actual production code you can write. This is kind of because we preserve the state of your execution, kind of your, your function, your process in, uh, uh, during like this time. That might take a minute to wrap my head around. So there is, a, there is still a good uh, analogy from the, from the um, database community, right? So databases are built on top of a write-ahead log. So that write ahead log is the basis how uh, databases are able to mitigate failure or mitigate uh, concurrent access. So you could, of course, write your applications with an API of a write ahead log. But that is quite the feat. That is the hundreds of lines. That is the thousands of lines instead of one SQL statement. And it's similar to temporal. Temporal is the system that orchestrates databases, that orchestrates um, queues and orchestrates trimers for you. So while in other areas you have to uh, program or develop your application with these APIs, with the API of databases, with the API of queues, and with the API of timers, Temporal takes care of that on the application level. Right. So now all you have to keep in mind is the workflow API, and the workflow API is really just write a function. So the analogy still holds, right? Where you say, well, the workflow execution gives you a developer experience that is comparable to a database execution, and it does so on top of databases, queues, and timers, just as the database does on top of a write-ahead log. So sticking with the, with the database comparison, databases, the ACID, Databases are, are the the whole acid thing, and this this sounds like it might have some of the some of the same concerns uh, baked in. Like if uh, if 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 temporal provides guaranteed delivery, but maybe maybe the connection to some resource that this delivery is needs to take place on is is down. The the whole internet's down, right? It will get there, but it has to wait for the internet to come back up. In the meantime, if I have another process that is trying to access that information, that information will have not yet been updated because the pathway that it needs to update it is, is down. Is there a way to handle actions or transactions, functions, workflows that have a, a time component where after some amount of time, the transaction, the, 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 the workflow is no longer valid? Absolutely. Uh, the way you do that is uh, practically because there are no uh, transactions across multiple uh, entities like services or, I don't know, uh, AWS, for example, API calls and so on. Uh, you, uh, you, you just use compensations. For example, in the money example would be you do, you do withdrawal, you're doing deposit. Deposit is not possible because, for example, account doesn't exist. Uh, what you would do, you will just run compensation action, which is probably put money back uh, on the original account. And you need to ensure that this happens no matter what. And this is what the temporal makes very easy. So like uh, if you, I don't know if uh, our listeners heard about things like Saga patterns and so on. These are very trivial to implement with temporal. And a lot of companies use that for exactly that, that 
Uh, one thing is like we use work workflow, which can be a little bit misleading because people, when they think workflow, they think something which is long running. And we absolutely support long running things. You can run for months or like even years if you want to. But a lot of usages are actually very, very short. Like they run something for a few seconds or even shorter. You press a button, you want to make a payment. But the hard part is like guarantee. Guarantee that this can either execute. So if something fails, we will guarantee the rollback. Right. And this is where Temporal is very, very powerful because it ensures that you can, no matter what happens, at some point the rollback will happen and like our execution will complete. So we've kind of talked, started talking about some of the use cases. What are some of the ideal scenarios and ideal problem domains that um, really Temporal uh, would be great for? So that is interesting. It's, um, I wouldn't say domains uh, because it's, uh, it's all over the place in terms of domains. Uh, because it's kind of a new way to build distributed system. Every time you need exactly guarantee of execution in reliability. For example, I gave you one example, which is money transfer. Uh, so also the business transactions. Practically like traditional, maybe like workflow systems. Uh, so mortgages, uh, like, I don't know. Uh, for example, Checker, one of the first use cases was at Checker, they're doing background checks. And background check can be pretty fast, but you still need to call like a bunch of downstream system and social external partners. And you need to make sure that this call is complete and these partners are not reliable. And also at some point you need probably manual intervention. So somebody needs to actually look at the documents or make a call. So there is a human in the loop. So this can be long running business process. So Temporal is awesome to implement that. Uh, but other one, for example, which is a user, uh, people, uh, which is very different infrastructure automation. Uh, one of the first uh, users of uh, uh, system was uh, actually HashiCorp. Uh, they were building their cloud offering and the Temporal is a core part of their, uh, uh, like Cadence initially, right? Like was a core part of their uh, cloud offering because they need to orchestrate all these cloud resources and they're also non-reliable. Things can go down and they can return errors. You need to retry. And uh, people ask, okay, what about Terraform? But they actually run Terraform from the, uh, as an activity. So they still rely on Terraform, but Terraform is like just one part, right? Like you cannot have Terraform, which for example, calls into multiple clouds at the same time, or like uh, it, it's a, it, it is a just part of the, the stack. And uh, for example, all sort of control plane, like for example, you're trying to build a service like, RD, like RDS at Amazon, right? Uh, and uh, RDS at Amazon actually uses simple workflow internally, right? So Temporal is kind of similar thing. And if you need to build for your company some sort of service or hosting solution, it's a very good for control plane. And then we have a very different use cases. For example, a control plane for big data and uh, ML pipelines. So it's not uh, we are not big data platform. We are not uh, like in data plane, but control plane for those is very useful. One power of Temporal is that you can have what we call entity workflows. It's an object which always alive, right? It always lives. It has identity. It's, it's, we guarantee uniqueness of that. And it listens to events and can act on them. Uh, one, one good example would be subscription. Uh, for example, uh, you have a, cust- a, a subscription and you want to say, oh, my customer needs to be charged once a month, right? So we'll have while loop, sleep a month, charge customer. But at the same time, customer wants to upgrade subscription. So it will listen to the event and upgrade the subscription or it will uh, cancel. So it will listen to the event and uh, run cancellation flow. So that can be all encapsulated, the object which is all over life per customer, and it's uh, do it like manages uh, and it, because it's guaranteed uniqueness. You guarantee that all events will be always go from the same single point. There are no race conditions, and it's uh, very powerful. But then think about we thought about entity workflow for sub- subscription, but you can have entity workflow, for example, IoT device or entity workflow for your ML model or per stage in your CI/CD pipeline. 
So this becomes very powerful abstraction to model all sorts of systems. And, um, and I'm saying it's kind of all over the place. It's, uh, I've seen so many different uh, um, usages that, uh, again, from infrastructure automation up to like high-level business workflows, IoT, like, uh, and so on and so on. The question is uh, almost analogous to asking the question, what is a good use case for object-oriented systems? Right? And then it was like, well, object-oriented languages, they lend themselves to all sorts of problems. And uh, the same is true for temporal. It lends itself to all sorts of problems. You could probably ask the question, where is temporal uh, not necessary? That is, if you have an application where you do not mind failure or you do not mind um, time limits. How many of these applications are there? Usually not that many. Usually you mind because failures and time limits lead to partial application, which ruins the correctness of your application. And that is usually your one number one focus, the correctness of your application. And with temporal, it becomes much, much easier and in a lot of cases trivial to guarantee the correctness of your application. So if you have temporal in your tool stack, you're going to reach for it more often than not. So digging into the temporal GitHub repo, it looks like the code base is all Go and MIT licensed. Uh, looks like there's uh, several different sample repos and such. How is Temporal working? How what what is the integration story like with all of the many pieces that would make up an enterprise level workflow system at this point? So Temporal was designed um, kind of um, using the same same principles we use for the simple workflow, which was predecessor of that at AWS. So it was kind of designed as as a highly scalable cloud service from the beginning. Uh, and uh, the, uh, the way it is done is that uh, it, uh, it is a service which has multiple components, and I'm not going to go into the details there. But at the end, it sits on top of existing storage system. So it's usually a database. And right now, we support out of the box uh, MySQL, Postgres, and Cassandra. But you can write uh, in SQLite. But you can write other bindings if you want to. Uh, and uh, then it uh, has its own components, and then it exposes a gRPC interface, a gRPC interface through its front ends. And uh, this is kind of the service. And then when you write your application using Temporal, uh, you just uh, take uh, libraries, uh, appropriate SDK in your language. Right now we support out of the box uh, Go, Java, PHP, and TypeScript. And we are working on the Python and uh, .NET by, uh, SDKs, and, uh, and Ruby actually one. Uh, and um, and then we uh, you just include that as a library, and then you run the code. Like Temporal doesn't, because sometimes people get confused. We don't run the code. You deploy it any way you want. We absolutely are orthogonal to that. You can deploy using Kubernetes. You can deploy using uh, like bare metal uh, or whatever scripts you want, or you can run on your laptop. Uh, you run your code. And this is very good from security point of view when we talk about our cloud offering, because we don't run your code. You can encrypt all payloads. We never see them in clear text and so on. And uh, this code should have a connection, practically need to have connection string for the gRPC endpoint. So all it needs to be have, it doesn't need to open any ports, it doesn't listen to any, uh, anything, it just opens connection to the gRPC endpoint. And then uh, practically we start giving all these capabilities just by using our SDK and uh, having connection to the backend service. And uh, that's why I've said service is in Go, but again, as it's exposed gRPC interface, Almost any language can communicate with that, and the always the case in the multiple languages. 
and then uh, you just use the language of your choice when you actually code using Temporal. Also, because Temporal is kind of a communication platform, so you can absolutely can have your workflow written in like polyglot workflows. You can absolutely have part of your logic being in uh, Go, part of your logic being in Java, part of your logic can be, did I mention Java as SDK, right? Uh, in Java, and then uh, we actually have a sample using all four SDKs as a game, like you practically have a game in which all, all these workflows and activities talk to each other in different languages. So you can also think of it as more like a service mesh for long-running uh, uh, actions. Because these days everybody talks about service meshes and API gateways, but they're only, only good for short-lived activities, right? Like you call something, you've got a few seconds, and then it times out. But if your operation can take two hours, what do you do? Then you need to invest, start inventing things. You need to have callbacks, webhooks, uh, polling, uh, uh, like, uh, I don't know, queues and so on. In Temporal, you actually make an RPC call, like API call, it takes three hours, you just blocked on that call. And then five hours later, it returns, and you take you go to the next line of code. And then if somebody calls you, you can take five hours doing something, uh, and then return in five hours. And it's kind of sim very seamless to integrate systems, which uh, take uh, some time. And also have reliability because all the retries, all the communication um, problems are already solved for you. You don't need to do anything about that. It just goes for temporal. So you can also think of it as a kind of this integration platform uh, for multiple services for these type of applications. So for anyone looking to uh, to try out temporal or, or get started learning it, what's probably the best way to get started? I think you go to our temporal.io and uh, they should be, let me double check, but uh, should be... Uh, getting started to link somewhere and uh, then uh, yeah go to docs and there is getting started and then you probably pick your own uh, preferred language so if you're a java developer you pick your java sdk if you're a typescript developer you pick your typescript sdk and uh, just go for our tutorials and um, uh, and uh, i think it should be we have pretty decent documentation we also have very very uh, friendly and uh, relatively large community we have around 3000 people on our slack we have forum so don't hesitate uh, to ask any questions, even very novice questions, and uh, just join our community. All the links are on our temporal.io uh, website, and uh, you're welcome, and uh, you can learn. Uh, other thing is that even, even if you're not sure if temporal is a fit, just go there, ask questions, we will help you to determine. Obviously, it's not, uh, it solves a very large set of problems, but it doesn't fit every, like it's not a fit for every problem. So sometimes we can say, yeah, it's not probably a good fit. I understand that the world is is now a different place over the last few years, and we're very reliant on our software. We're very reliant on connectivity and networking and uh, interfacing with people over video calls and conferences and things like that. We're also very aware of sustainable open source models and sustainable open source projects and things like that. What What is the business model for Temporal? So one of the key decision we made is that we don't wanna we want our open source be uh, pretty uh, full feature rich, right? Like we we don't wanna have like this you know like this uh, kind of open source version of product which is not really useful. Uh, there are very large companies using Temporal in production for core uh, and critical use cases and using 100% open source for free because it's a MIT license. And we, uh, Temporal as a company, decided that we are going uh, only support uh, and have commercial relationship with our customers which use our cloud. So we host the backend service for them. They still run their code. And uh, we just, uh, like, we support them. It's much easier to support having cloud model, cloud-only model. 
And uh, this uh, kind of eliminates this problem of uh, like, uh, oh, which feature goes where, right? Because uh, one uh, other goal is because we don't want to kind of, we want people have freedom to migrate from the cloud back to the open source. So we make sure that every feature available in the cloud will always be available in open source. We kind of have just one pro product there. And uh, it means that uh, we don't want to be in a situation where you cannot migrate out just because uh, your workflow is still private. And that is, uh, we also even plan to have a live migration feature. We will have it. So you would be able to migrate your workload without downtime to and from cloud. And like one thing, I will actually one demo I want to do one day, we want to do multi-cloud as well. You would be able to migrate your workload to Fresh AWS, then migrate the same workload like uh, to Azure and then migrate it without downtime to GCP and then migrate back to your open source class, cluster. And uh, I think it will be a killer feature. And, and I, I'm pretty sure we'll have it pretty uh, relatively soon. So uh, that is, uh, so if you need multi-cloud, you need to go uh, like multi-region, we have very strong capabilities there. Uh, so, because Temporal is not only, we mentioned only one part, that how you write your code, how you design your application, and it simplifies your life. But it also simplifies your life greatly around availability and around operations. Because we provide a lot of information about what's going on. And if you've got problem in production, usually it's uh, 10x, 100x simpler to troubleshoot with Temporal than without. What, what else? What have we maybe glossed over or missed asking about or... or... What what else would you like our listeners to to know about Temporal or about getting started? Or are there ways to contribute to the project? Are there ways to to help support in in any other way? It's a, it's a, it's an open source project, uh, so everything is on GitHub. It's a MIT license, so it's pretty um, anyone is welcome to contribute. Uh, reality is contributions are hard, mostly because it's a very complex system. Uh, so any non-trivial feature takes uh, months and months of uh, developer time. And uh, at the same time, we've seen a lot of uh, contributions around integrations. We had custom SDKs written. We had uh, integrations with uh, other systems. So uh, community is there. It's just that core engine still uh, mostly contributed by the uh, same team which built Cadence because most of this team right now works for Temporal and then uh, they, like, uh, end the company. Uh, I think we, in the future, we, there are quite a very large companies which already got uh, legal approval to contribute. And I think this time we'll get more and more contribution of people who are doing it full time, but on payroll of other companies. We absolutely want to have uh, more and more of that. Um, in terms of uh, people who are trying to use that, I, I would just say most important thing is not even learn how to use it, it's just understand uh, what it provides. This is the hardest part because this is not just another type of like database, another type of the queue, another type of something. It is a completely different way to think about your application, right? Completely different way to even design it. It simplifies your life a lot, but you kind of need to have a mental shift. So, and it takes time to kind of yeah, invest in a lot of like learning and like education and uh, de develop of, uh, relations, mostly because it's very hard for people kind of, not hard, but they need to kind of learn new thing, which didn't, doesn't exist. They don't have a mental model for that. The good news is that after, for us at least, some, after somebody learns that, they cannot unlearn it. Like you see these type of systems everywhere and you stop doing custom stuff. Every time people reinvent this wheel all the time, they stop doing that and just use this system. For example, as we build it at Uber, a lot of people are moving around like in Silicon Valley. So like I, I see Uber developers going to new companies and almost every week somebody comes to me and says, okay, how do I get uh, to use it in my new company? So I, I understand that you also have a, a conference already in the works or, or in the planning stages at least? 
Yes, uh, please, uh, if you're interested, uh, this is a our first conference. We are certainly uh, very excited about that because this project has been around for over five years, and this is the first time we actually uh, have a conference and we will um, have people like me. And obviously, with COVID, it was very hard. <laughs> uh, and we didn't want to do uh, non like we wanted people to be in person. We, uh, we don't want a virtual conference. That's why this is the first time we are doing that. It will be on August uh, 25, 26 uh, 20, uh, in uh, Seattle. And uh, please uh, go to our site and uh, temporal.io slash replay. Replay is the name of conference. Um, so, and uh, you, uh, just, uh, and you can buy tickets there and, or contact us if you have any questions. So earlier we had talked about how uh, getting started and you had mentioned the temporal IO uh, documentation. Are there any other resources that you would point our listeners to to learn about temporal and sort of also conduct that mental shift that, that's necessary? We have very good videos uh, which explain some of those things. And uh, but um, I would uh, it depends what we are coming from. One thing I would certainly recommend to go visit on our website is use cases section uh, because it uh, not only talk about talks about use cases. I mentioned some of them here, but it talks about this use case. It has actual case studies, right? It's one thing to talk about use case, and uh, the same uh, other thing is to say, okay, uh, how Coinbase is actually using that, right? So there is a case study from Coinbase, there is a case study from DoorDash, right, or Box. So when uh, and uh, every company uses very differently, uh, solves very different set of problems, uh, have their own different set of challenges. So I think uh, you, uh, that page would, would be very good for maybe not creating like mental picture how to use it, but at least where it's applicable and how other companies are approaching that. Uh, that I would start there. But otherwise, you probably want to go to our documentation and uh, and create the kind of go through that, grow through videos. I, I presented a couple conferences. And, uh, I think Dominic also had some pre- very good presentations. So we can uh, we can go and uh, and it takes time. It's like you need to put some effort into understand the model, but it's certainly worth it. I absolutely recommend you doing that. I believe in uh, like 10 years, it should be in every university course. I want to mention if you uh, want to join our uh, Slack, I do a lot of uh, one-on-one with uh, our users uh, and do architecture and uh, design reviews and architecture and design sessions because uh, it is helpful if um, somebody shines a light onto the uh, onto uh, the new philosophy or the new paradigm think about uh, when you switch for example from imperative language c to an object oriented language like java and then for the first half year you would basically still keep coding c but now in java so it's like in half an hour you can actually do a lot where everything in the at the beginning of half an hour is pretty blurry but if you do a pair programming, or in this case, basically pair designing session, where um, we look onto your requirements and onto your uh, problem together, and then map that onto Temporal as a solution, then even within half an hour, that new paradigm actually comes very natural. It is just the initial hump that uh, you need to get over. Very cool. Question for both of you. What has been helpful in your careers that you might share with those just getting started or those looking to level up their own career? For me, I think I found that uh, you want to uh, you want to be uh, in right place, right? <laughs> it's certainly in right time, in the right place. Uh, I certainly was very lucky to be at Amazon uh, well before AWS existed, and uh, kind of see evolution of Amazon architecture and being part of that. 
which also kind of implies that uh, you want to stay in one place for relatively long. Obviously, it should be right place at the right time, but you want to spend some time to actually deliver something. Uh, for example, one of my mistakes, uh, I don't know if I told you in the last podcast, I think in my career was that I was a pretty good, I like building systems. I like designing systems. I like creating like first version of that. And I created quite a few systems. I created the first version, put it in production, and then I moved to the next shiny thing to create. And that project actually doesn't reach its potential. I've seen, like I've created, created a few projects which were pretty successful, but they never reached their potential because I moved to the next thing. And uh, actually, the Temporal is the first time I stayed. And at some point, I actually wanted to quit. Like, I think at some point, like, oh, it's first version, it's running, it's all good, like, cadence is there. Let me go somewhere else and do something else. And then at some point, like, okay, it's, I like it. It's like, it's very useful. Can I stay there? And, uh, and it looks like it's actually uh, was a very uh, smart move uh, looking back. Uh, so, yeah, I think um, I, don't, 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 like, Make sure that if you have something of value, just don't abandon that, right? Like uh, stay some time with that. And I think uh, it's one thing to create the first version. Another thing is to maintain that version over time and grow it like during like three, four, five years within the company, or especially if it's open source within the industry. Uh, you, It's a very, very different game. And it's a very interesting game and it's a very useful game. And I think try it at least once in your career. What about you, Dominic? So um, I have about... Uh, two or three. The first one is the most cliche, that is uh, never stop learning. But our industry is also, um, the ecosystem is very big on sharing information, right? There are blog posts, articles, uh, papers, uh, podcasts, videos. So uh, definitely make good use of those uh, since the resources are so readily available. Another one is as an engineer, also focus on communication because a good engineering culture is rooted in a good communication culture. But software engineering in particular doesn't have the best communication culture, right? So we have a hard time talking to each other. We have a hard time understanding each other. The uh, concepts are all uh, virtual immaterial as one as an as an industry we cannot see our things right the software the code is not the running system is a description of the running system so focus on communication and uh, the uh, third one is is very hard if whatever area you pick it's very hard to be in the top 10 right because the competition in that area is huge so it's very hard to be in the top 10 However, if, uh, uh, if you're lucky and you have a, a bit broader interests and you pick a handful or two handful of areas, then even if you are in the, one, in the top 1,000 per area, you're going to be very quickly in the top 10 for this particular combination. So um, if you're lucky enough and you have broad interest, right, then uh, definitely invest in each and every field. Because for this particular um, combination, will definitely catapult you onto the onto the top ten uh, uh, much easier. Where can our listeners go to follow e- each of you and keep up with what you're working on? Uh, I have a Twitter, but uh, technically, uh, you you can find me by my first last name on uh, GitHub as well. And I, I don't write much code these days, unfortunately, but. Uh, but in general, I think uh, temporal.io or my Twitter, mfativ, like 
M and like my last name Fatif. And uh, I think it's uh, on, I'm there. For me, it's Twitter as well. It's Dominic Torno. And I also have a, a newsletter, The Weekend Read, where every Friday I'll uh, share a blog post, a paper or an article about uh, something related to distributed systems. So that uh, if you didn't geek out enough during the week, you have a chance to geek out on the weekend. Maxim, Dominic, thank you so much for joining us this evening. This has been absolutely fantastic. Really looking forward to diving in and, and learning all about Temporal. Thanks a lot for having us. Thank you very much. That was Maxim Fatih and Dominic Torno. Maxim has worked at companies such as Microsoft, Google, and Amazon, and is currently a CEO and co-founder of Temporal. Dominic is a principal engineer at Temporal. He focuses on systems modeling, specifically conceptual and formal modeling, to support the design and documentation of complex software systems. If you like this episode, please like, rate, and review on iTunes. Find show notes, blog posts, and more at sixfiguredev.com. And catch us live each week on Twitch. And be sure to follow us on Twitter at sixfiguredev. This has been another episode of the Six Figure Developer Podcast, helping others reach their potential. I'm John Calloway. I'm Clayton Hunt. And I'm John Ash. Ah!